It was a Saturday in October of 2002. Kevin Harrington was at a bus stop in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and he was feeling pretty good. I was going to go on a date with this girl named Leah. They usually just hung out with a group of friends, but Kevin had finally built up the courage to ask her out. You know, she was really cool. We all just been like friends. You know what I mean? We never went on like a date before. And do you know what you were going to do that night? Um, I think we were supposed to go to like the Red Lobster or something. Kevin was 20 at the time. He'd been traveling all day and was waiting for the bus to take him home so he could change his clothes and freshen up before the date. But suddenly, he saw some police officers approach him. He, like, yanked me up and slapped the cuffs on me. And so I'm like, what? It was so fast. It looked like they just jumped out, jumped out the sky. I was just stuck. I didn't know what to say. My mom was just open, like, what the? Kevin was confused and in complete shock. The police officers told him he was suspected of first-degree murder. And that was that. They brought him in. His first night locked up, he remembers the cell being dirty and bleak. It was super cold. It took my shoes. I couldn't call anyone. That night, he didn't sleep. He just lay on the bed, staring at the ceiling. He kept thinking, this is a mistake, and it'll all be sorted out. I thought that they would come back and say, oh yeah, we got the wrong guy. You're free to go. But that didn't happen. Not for a very long time. I'm Rima Khreis, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a podcast from Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. This week, a story of re-entering the world and the economy after years behind bars. Adjusting to life after prison is complicated, and now Kevin Harrington is doing it in the middle of a pandemic. When Kevin was arrested, he was a college student at Wilberforce University in Ohio studying business. I'm the only person in my family to ever go to college. I'm like the shining star. He was really excited about being in college. Trying to figure life out. You know, like most college students, changing schools, changing majors. Think of that nature. You can travel. You can hang out with your friends. And you're grown. You can, you have free will. That all changed after his arrest. Kevin was accused of fatally shooting a man in Inkster, Michigan. But there was no physical evidence in the case and only one witness, a woman who called the police the night of the murder. She told the police multiple times, though, that she didn't see anything that night, but she'd heard there was a dead body on her street and called 911. Eventually, after hours of questioning and threats from the police, she backtracked and named Kevin and another man as possible suspects. Kevin had four trials and spent years unable to make bail. The first one was ruled a mistrial. Then at his next one, there was a hung jury. Then another hung jury. And at his fourth trial in 2007, he was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. But Kevin always maintained his innocence. He thought that someone would eventually realize there had been a mistake. It was a lot of confusion, frustration, hurt, disappointment. Because you're looking like, I know somebody's going to see this and I'll be going home tomorrow. I swear to God, I felt like the whole time I was in prison. Today got to be the day. But days and years would come and go, and Kevin kept waiting. 
I miss every birthday for 17 years. My mother's birthday, my sibling's birthday, you know, um, having a meaningful relationship, courting, um, being married, having children, uh, starting a career. They stole that. They took that. And it wasn't just about Kevin either. You know, I saw him grow up. I saw him grow up in prison. I saw him become a man. Things were especially tough for Kevin's mom, Pauline. When I I went into a state of depression for a minute there, and I, you know, just couldn't function at work. She quit her job as a supervisor at a group home. I walked away from my job. I lost some property. I just, you know, I was really uh, in a dark place. Pauline stopped making payments on her house and then just sold it. I walked away from it and... To simplify my life a little more, living in a big house like that and alone, and my son ain't home, so I decided to, you know, give it up. After about a year, Pauline knew she had to pull herself back up. She started training to become a certified nursing assistant and got a new job, and Kevin needed her help. She'd send him a couple hundred dollars each month so that he could pay for phone time and buy things from the commissary like ramen noodles. Each month, she'd drive out to see Kevin at the prison, and they'd finally be able to see each other face-to-face. I cried like a baby. Even when I didn't want to, it was just the hurt and pain I felt in her, and I just hated her seeing me locked up in there for something I didn't do. It's just something about the mother love that touches me every single time. Pauline decided that when she visited Kevin, her job was to lift his spirits. So she literally came in singing. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. So that's how we, that's how we greet one another. And w- would you sing that song to him in prison? I would, as soon as he comes, soon really? as you see us walking through the door. And anybody Aww. sitting in the visiting room could hear us. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. You weren't embarrassed? You were just singing? Yeah, no, I wasn't embarrassed at all. No, rise and shine, give God the glory, glory. <laughs> and then, and then we, we embrace one another. It went on like this for years. But Kevin never gave up hope, and neither did his family. In 2009, the Michigan Innocence Clinic picked up his case. The clinic is a program at the University of Michigan that focuses on wrongful conviction cases that have no DNA evidence. They spent more than 10 years fighting for Kevin, arguing that there was police misconduct and witness coercion in his case. Plus, there were new witnesses who implicated another man in the crime. Then, just last month, on April 21st, 2020, the conviction was thrown out. Kevin was finally exonerated. 17 years, 6 months, 2 days, and 35 minutes of being wrongly convicted. Coming up after the break... Kevin goes from lockup to lockdown. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway, maybe somewhere tropical. 
Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. So after 17 years, six months, two days, and 35 minutes, Kevin was finally free. His exoneration came through a couple weeks ago, and the court arranged for his release on April 21st, a Tuesday afternoon. His mom, Pauline, was waiting at home for the call to come pick him up. We all got dressed, and uh, then Kevin called and said, hey, hey, three o'clock, baby. It was just so exciting riding down the road. My daughter said, mind you, I don't have to take this drive no more. Kevin walked out the doors of Macomb Correctional Facility with a box of the photos that had decorated his cell wall, wearing a white T-shirt and red basketball shorts. When he walked out that door, his hands just went to heaven saying, thank you, Jesus. And uh, that's when I ran up with my tambourine giving praises, praising my baby on his way out. Kevin's nephew gave us this video he took. You can see Kevin standing outside the brick prison walls, just taking it all in while family members lined up in the parking lot celebrating and cheering him on. Let's go! And even though they planned to be socially distant, most couldn't stay six feet away. It was wonderful. It was was wonderful. It was wonderful. Kevin had been looking forward to big dinners and laughing, reminiscing with the family. But he was about to enter a very different world, and he couldn't do that just yet. In prison, he'd been around a lot of people who were really sick with COVID-19. Coughing, uh, faces looking flush, you know, you you would see it. And you can't even get the, the test for the most part, you know. Kevin says before he left, a lot of inmates were given cloth masks made from the pants of their prison uniforms. But also, they weren't much help with everyone so close together. You have a roommate that stays right there with you, so... It almost was, um, you know, like, you couldn't avoid it. As of Monday, there have been 99 confirmed cases and five deaths at Macomb Correctional Facility. Kevin never felt sick himself, but when he got released, he chose to stay in a hotel room to quarantine for two weeks. Sometimes you don't even show any symptoms, and I didn't want to bring one of them elements back to my family. The Michigan Innocence Clinic put him up in the hotel with donated funds. And even though he'd rather be with family. I'd jump over the moon 10 million times to have to deal with this other than deal with a death sentence at Macomb Correctional Facility in cell 98 top. After all those years of sleeping on a thin mattress in his cell, he doesn't mind a hotel room. The first time we talked was about six days after his release, and he was feeling psyched. I'm swimming in the clouds right now. Oh, my God. What? Look out the window. They don't have bars on it. It's really the small things that are making him happy right now, like shopping for new clothes at Walmart or taking walks near the hotel at night or showers that last more than five minutes. I'm kind of splurging a little bit. I took three showers yesterday. Three? Yeah, I took three. One in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one at night. Yeah, why not? (laughs) (laughs) I've been deprived. You know, no one is going to say, get back in your room. What are you doing? You know, so. What's the longest shower you've taken? I don't even know. I just wait till my skin get wrinkled. (laughs) (laughs) And he says he's really been enjoying getting food delivered. Hold on one second. Okay, no, go for it. Hello. Okay, grab up. I'm I'm on my way. His lunch order showed up during one of our calls. 
Okay. Okay, guys. We're going to get some grub nice. up. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, what are you getting? What food? Uh, Carabas today for lunch. Wish you guys was here. I could share it with you guys, but uh, I love to share. I appreciate that. Sharing is caring. Throughout our calls, I'm sure we've spent a good 30 minutes just talking about all the food he's eating. Sushi, loaded quesadillas, cheesecake. I swear I gave off five pounds eating all this grub of stuff. It's okay. Just enjoy yourself. Eat the food. <laughs> yeah, all right. You know? You don't have to tell me twice. Over lunch, we got talking about the future, like the kind of careers he's interested in. Kevin's thinking maybe he could become a consultant for lawyers who represent people in situations like the one he was in. But he's also really interested in fitness. I fell in love with doing cardio. That was a big stress reliever for me. Yeah. So, like, it sounds like you want to be, like, a personal trainer? Yeah, personal trainer, a group trainer, you know, just in a healthy life, healthy living. For people who've been released from prison, even folks who are exonerated, you know, proven to have been wrongly convicted, it can be hard to find work. For Kevin, a gap of 17 years on his resume is kind of a big deal. And there are things to learn after being locked away, like new tech. And now, with the pandemic devastating our economy and with tens of millions of people unemployed, things are harder than ever. With no job experience, you know what I'm saying? But working in prison, making $47 a month, because I know I want, I'm not going to be at the top of the total pole when they do start to get the hiring. Eventually, Kevin could get some compensation from the state. In Michigan, if you're wrongfully convicted, you're entitled to $50,000 for each year you're incarcerated. That means Kevin could possibly get $850,000. Some states provide much less to exonerees, and many don't offer anything. But all of this means going back to court to fight for a payout. And it can take a long time. For Kevin, no matter what he ends up with... There's nothing... Monetary amount that you could pay someone um, to be placed in a situation in a cell, stolen, kidnapped away from his family for 18 years. You can't put a price on life. In the meantime, he's getting some financial support. His legal team started to go fund me for him when he was released. And last time I checked, friends and strangers raised almost $19,000 for Kevin, which his mom can barely believe. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? That is so beautiful. What about that touches you? He could come home Mm. and he could start his life. He ain't got to beg nobody to help him. It's just such a blessing what they've done for Mm. him. People all over the world, it's just such a blessing. He say, Ma... You ain't never got to worry about nothing else. Not no phone bill. I say, Kevin, I just want you to get yourself settled. Don't worry about me. Getting settled for now means getting a driver's license, maybe buying a car. Also, apartment hunting, which can be overwhelming. I got to learn a different language to... Uh, amenity fees or no amenity fees, uh, you know, 24-hour uh, gym room membership. So it was a lot of stuff to process. Right. I'm trying to just 
you know, get myself back in order and acclimated back to society. Kevin says he wants to live alone, so he's not a burden on anyone. And he just got approved for a one-bedroom apartment. He'll be totally moved in by the end of this week. Meanwhile, he finished his quarantine. On Tuesday, Kevin woke up, checked out of the hotel with these plastic containers full of books and new clothes, and got a ride to his mom's house. He called us up so we could join in on their reunion. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? Hey, how's it going? Guess who I got here with me? This is my mom. Hi, hey. hello, hello, hello. <laughs> how's it going? Going awesome. It's going good. great. Walking, walking, on, walking on clouds. Oh, how does it feel to be together? Uh, <laughs> it's undescribable. Undescribable. Oh. They say they just plan to take it easy today, eat some homemade sweet potato pie, and binge watch some movies. We're going to watch the movie Home Alone. She's trying to turn me back to when I was six years old. <laughs> that was been my favorite movie ever. For more than 17 years, Pauline has been dreaming of this moment. Oh, Kevin, you know I'm so excited for your future. And I know that you're going to flourish and excel and be exceedingly great in whatever your desire, your desire and your passion and your dreams are. You got greatness before you. I'm so godly proud of you. Things are looking up for Kevin. I'm just starting a whole new rebirth. I can't go back and refix the past that happened. I'm leaving all that death and gloom and sadness behind, and I'm just moving and forging forward. You know, I think we're we're at a good starting point. I know it's kind of weird to end a story with a beginning, but Kevin still has so much ahead of him, stuff to look forward to, new opportunities, new challenges. So we're going to stay in touch and hear from him again soon. All right, that is all for this week's show. But before I go, just a quick note. As a lot of you may know, most media outlets have taken a hit because of the pandemic, and we're no exception. The thing is, we feel like this is uncomfortable and the stories we tell are especially needed right now, and we could really use your help. I know a lot of people are feeling financial pressure, but if you love the show and you are in a position to donate, we would really appreciate it. Even a small one-time donation goes a long way. You can donate online at marketplace.org slash give T-I-U. Again, that's marketplace.org slash give T-I-U. Thanks. All right, this is Uncomfortable is me, Rima Khreis, Megan Dietry, Haley Hirschman, Peter Balanon-Rosen, Daisy Palacios, and Eliza Mills. Our intern is Daniel Martinez, editing by Sarah Kramer. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Ben Tolliday is our audio engineer. Satara Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. And Deb Clark is the senior vice president and general manager of Marketplace. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right, I'll catch y'all next week. Thank you.